0: I'm going to make a confession at the start of my time preaching tonight, and that is that I did not make it to the dawn service today. Sorry about that, but I'm sorry, I just couldn't make it up and couldn't get out at that time. Blame it on a busy week or whatever else, but I know that at least a couple of Connor people represented Connor, so well done to them getting up to Slemish in time for the service at half past six. But I do actually love that Easter dawn service. And one of the great things about living here in this beautiful part of the world, living in Northern Ireland, is that we have got some amazing locations for dawn services. For me, down through the years, dawn services up at Spelga in the Morns at Slemish, it would be hard to beat those locations as being the perfect backdrop for what we're doing at the beginning of Easter Day, and I do love Easter. I I like Easter because it doesn't have all of the hype of Christmas, all of the other stuff added in. I know there are Easter eggs and stuff like that, but essentially for us as a church, we can get down to the business of really thinking about what the Easter message is and the hope that it brings to us in our lives. And I especially love Easter Sunday. For me, it just feels like a brilliant opportunity to celebrate and to think about the resurrection of Jesus and what that means for us in our lives. But like any good thing, there is a danger that is attached. And the danger is that we then think about the resurrection as being something that is reserved for one day a year, one Sunday in the church calendar, and we only think about it then. And what we've been discovering over this last number of weeks is that the resurrection is far too important to consider and celebrate on only one Sunday in the year. And that's why this year we have taken time on that approach to Easter to consider Paul's teaching on resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we have been discovering that the resurrection lies right at the heart of the gospel, and it is the foundation of our hope as Christians in what seems to be such a hopeless world. So, I would invite you to turn with me one more time in this series to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We have discovered that it is a long and it is an incredibly important chapter of Scripture. Let's quickly recap on what we have been discovering so far. I know that some of you will have not been here every single Sunday evening during this series, so we have been thinking about the importance of the resurrection. Paul begins this chapter by saying that it is one of the things of first importance that make up the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Then Paul helps us to think about the reality of the resurrection, that it really happened, that it is a true event in history, and therefore we who are Christians have a hope because this is something that is real. And over the past couple of weeks, we were thinking about the amazing truth that because Jesus rose from the dead, those who believe in Him will share in that resurrection. We, too, will rise from the dead. We, too, will receive resurrection bodies in the way that Jesus did. And tonight, we want to think about the impact that this has on our lives. We started to think about that in the course of our study last week, but we want to think about what the resurrection should mean for us and do for us in our lives every single day? What is the the impact of the resurrection this week or next week when we return back to school or go back to maybe doing exams at university or go back to work or wherever it is that God has placed you? And it can probably be summed up like this, that the, the resurrection should lead to believers having a transformed attitude to death and a transformed way of living. That's the best way to summarize how the resurrection should impact our lives day by day, but more of that in a moment. Before we come to that, let's think a bit more about what we were considering last week as we looked at the second half of this chapter, and we started to get into some specifics on how we will share in the resurrection of Jesus. That at the final resurrection, those who have died in Christ will receive resurrection bodies like His. And Paul tells us that our resurrection body will have similarities with the body that we now have. But he also tells us that our resurrection body will be markedly different. And the key thing about it is, as Paul puts it in verse 42, it will be raised imperishable. So, you know what that word means. We, we sometimes talk about perishable goods. Perishable goods are, are foods, are, are foodstuffs that we know will not last. And when you get milk, if you just keep the milk sitting on your shelf and you come back to it a few weeks later to take a drink of milk, that's not going to be good news. If you buy a loaf of bread and you think, I'll I'll just keep that until next month and maybe I'll have a slice of toast then, what you will put into the toaster will not be good. These are perishable things. So, imperishable is simply the opposite of that word. And what that means for us in reality, and I want you to think about this truth tonight, it means that these resurrection bodies will be unbreakable. It means that our resurrection bodies will not be subject to to cancer or to diseases of the mind or the body, that they will be powerful, that they will not be subject to sin. And all of those struggles that we have with sin in our lives day by day. And we have been learning some pretty amazing truths over this past month. So, tonight, I want us to consider together the impact that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus should have on our lives right here, right now. Or should we live in the light Of Christ's glorious resurrection. Well, I want us to to look at the final verses in this chapter together. These are verses that we actually looked at briefly in our final online service last summer. But tonight I want to home in on verse 58, the final verse in this chapter. And I want to take three words that we used back at that service, but to look at these in a different way tonight. I want to take three words that I think describe how we should live in the light of the resurrection. So, here are the words. The first one is hope, and that indeed has been the title of this series, that we recognize that the resurrection is the foundation of our hope. It's what our hope is built on. So, that Christians have a real and solid hope in the face of death, and one of the things about this series is that it has confronted us once again with the reality of death. And yet, if we're being really honest, none of us particularly like talking about death. But it seems to me that this past couple of years has brought us face to face with the reality of death. When we were coming through the worst of the COVID pandemic, our news contained each night those daily figures, including the figure of the amount of people who had died as a result of COVID-19. That was pretty stark when that big red number came up on the screen, a reminder to us of the reality of death. And now, of course, the news cycle moves on. COVID slowly falls down the headlines. Ukraine is at the top of the hour when we switch on our news programs. And once again, Ukraine is confronting us in really horrific ways with the reality of death. The pictures that just come out, the immediacy of those images, and and we watch them sometimes and we think, right, I'm switching over, that's enough, I can't take any more of that news. And so, in the face of all of that, the Apostle Paul traces the roadmap to hope that we who are Christians have. He starts off by saying, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we have no hope whatsoever. And given that the church is in the business of hope, then we might as well put the proverbial shutters down and just leave this place and leave this gathering of people, because if Jesus did not rise from the dead, Paul tells us all that we do, all the other stuff that we believe is completely false and a waste of time. That's why verse 20 is such a key verse in his argument, because he continues, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And you'll remember that in verses 5 to 8, He gives the evidence of that resurrection. He lists all of the people who witnessed the risen Christ, who talked with him and heard from him and spent time with him. And the wonderful truth for us, the source of hope for us, is what Paul argues here that those who trust in Christ will share in His resurrection. So, we think about this key part of the chapter, the middle verses, and if we read again for one last time, verses 21 and 22, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And Paul then explains the nature of this resurrection. He, he, he literally puts flesh on the bones and, and helps us to understand what this will be like. He emphasizes this will be a bodily resurrection. It's not just that we will be spirits kind of floating around. We will be people, identifiable people, complete people, In a way that we are not right now because of sin and all of the impact of sin on our lives. So, tonight, people, this is the the grounds for great hope. And being Presbyterians, I've got to say, none of you look particularly hopeful about this. Honestly, you don't look as if this is rocking your world in any way. But this is the grounds for great hope, because we know that death is our ultimate enemy. Death goes against what creation achieved, and, and God made us, and he, he made us to be in fellowship, and that was a permanent arrangement, and sin brought about an end to that, and death ends things. Death separates us. That's why we fear death so much. But if we go right down to verse 55, and these words that Paul paraphrases from the prophet Hosea, where the question is asked, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And that seems like a remarkable question because we we say, well, we know exactly what the sting of death is. And there are people who are experiencing that sting of death and the sorrow that it brings to people's lives. But our victory is found in Jesus so that, in verse 57, Paul continues, thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But what difference does this really make? Humanists like Ricky Gervais would argue, well, I don't need some promise of life beyond this life to live a good life now. Why would I need that? I choose to be kind and compassionate because I want to make this life count. But you see that argument? It is so fragile and you quickly see with humanists how that begins to disintegrate. For us, who are believers in Christ, the hope of the resurrection gives us a real sense of purpose because we know that what we do here and now counts for eternity. And people, what a time we've been living through people need hope. They really need hope. So, do you have that hope in Christ? And then will you share this hope with others? We are in the business of hope here in Connor Presbyterian Church. It's a good business to be in. But then the second word, the second impact that the resurrection should have on the lives of believers here and now it could be described with this word, hardiness. That's a word that seems to summarize Paul's command in verse 58. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And for me to use a gardening analogy, there is an irony in that I do not have green fingers, except sometimes when I cut the grass and the the mower gets clogged up. But Really, I am not the person to be talking with any degree of expertise about gardening, but I do know this, that a hardy plant is one that can survive all kinds of weather and conditions. You could say that it is robust. And Paul tells us that resurrection believers are robust believers. The reality of Jesus' resurrection and our sharing in it enables us to keep standing when the storms of life come our way, as they inevitably do. That we have this wonderful, eternal perspective that enables us to, to face up to the worst of the problems that the world brings to us. And I want to ask you tonight, if you're a fellow believer in Christ, are you a hardy Christian? The truth is that we will only stand firm. We will only be robust believers if we are walking closely with the Lord and being reminded of His promises. How are we reminded of His promises? Well, through His Word, the Bible, and engagement with it, through prayer life that that helps us to hear from the Lord as we speak to Him, through church life, through worship, where each Lord's Day we encourage one another, uh, as these people behind me have been doing tonight for all of us, as we hear God's Word, as we sing God's Word, as we share these promises, with one another. What a wonderful privilege this is. This is what the resurrection does. It gives God's people hope. It makes us hardy followers of Jesus. And the final implication, the final result should be hard work. But someone once said of Christians, they are so heavenly-minded, they are of no earthly use. But in fact, if you look at the history of the church, indeed if you look at the history of this nation, because for so many years the history of the Christian church and our nation seem to be combined in so many ways, actually those who are heavenly-minded, those who have their focus on Christ and on glory, have been effective people in this world. If you look at the history of the the abolition of slavery, who were at the vanguard of that movement to liberate slaves? Christians, Bible-believing people. If you look at prison reform, when people just wanted to pretend that the prisons were where you put someone and you threw away the key, and they they turned their back on all of the the squalor and the problems of prisons. Who were the people who were turning up at prisons and making life better and trying to bring about reform? Christians, Bible-believing people. And the hope of the resurrection should result in us working hard in service to the Lord and to others, So, Paul puts it like this at the end of this chapter in verse 58, saying, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And what should be the, the motivation for this hard work? Well, he continues, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, it is not a waste of time. It is not pointless. It is not useless. And yet, here's how so many people imagine the Christian life. So many people look upon the Christian life and the Christian faith as buying a ticket for a cruise or for the trip of a lifetime. And you buy your ticket and you keep it safe in a cupboard or you have it on your phone on the wallet, on your phone, and you know that that ticket's there, and then you just sit back and take it easy and wait for the departure date, doing absolutely nothing in the meantime. And yet, the end of 1 Corinthians 15 should break to pieces that wrong view of being a Christian. The hope of the resurrection does not mean that we sit back and do absolutely nothing, but that we live a life that really counts. And I want you to notice a really important thing in verse 58, because this is key. Do you see that Paul says in that verse, your labor in the Lord, not your labor for the Lord? And there is an important distinction. It is such a reminder to us of the gospel of grace, that salvation, that God's favor is not earned through service. Because if we think that, we will, we will just do ourselves in with, with work and with service and thinking, I must do enough, I must try and measure up, I must try and get somehow the love of God. That's not what the gospel is all about. But service to the Lord is such a great way of showing our gratitude for the salvation that He gives us by His grace through faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, are you a resurrection believer? Do you trust that Christ's death brings forgiveness and peace with God and that he rose again. Do you believe that you will share in the resurrection? That, that Jesus is the first fruits, that he is that guarantee that means that we will share in this resurrection because Jesus leads the way for you. Are you living with hope? Are you a hardy Christian so that nothing will move you? Are you working hard, laboring in the Lord? And I reckon that last question is a key one. As we have arrived at the end of our journey back to normal church life, well, as normal as I think we're going to get for a while. And hopefully you acknowledge that there is great work being done in this church by many, many people, and there is great work that needs to be done by even more. I saw on social media today some thoughts that the Christian writer Paul Tripp had shared about the resurrection. He had put up a few pictures that really summed up what the resurrection of Christ means to him and should mean to his fellow believers. And I love these, and I thought that they, they really fit in. I hope you can see those words, but I'll read them to you. So, here are the three pictures that, that Paul Tripp put up. He said, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is why I get up in the morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is why I can sleep at night, hope, peace. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is why I do what I do every day. And I think he just nicked my sermon totally because to me, That sums up what I've been trying to say tonight, but more importantly, it sums up what the Apostle Paul, what God's Word tells us right at the end of this incredible chapter. The resurrection, it's why we get up in the morning. It's what will get us up out of bed. Well, tomorrow's a different kind of Monday, but the Monday after that, it's what will enable some of us here tonight as I think about the circumstances that you live through, it will enable you to sleep in the midst of that pain and that sorrow and that uncertainty. And it's what gets us going here in the life of this place. It's why I do and why you do what we do every single day. Folks, the resurrection, it's far too important for just one Sunday a year. It should be at the forefront of our thoughts every single day. Jesus is risen. That is the foundation of our hope. That changes everything in our lives and in the life of this church. Amen.